If you're out looking for new gear, thinking it will help you improve your photography, I'm here to tell you to stop. I'm willing to bet that you already have everything you need in your camera bag to improve your skills and make great images. And so today, I'm gonna to show you 10 ways that you can improve your photography skills with the gear you already own. Hi, I'm Lynn Morton from shutterbuglife.com. We're a growing community of photographers who are both enthusiasts and aspiring professionals, and we're all out there working together trying to help each other improve. You can learn more about us and join us at shutterbuglife.com. Now, on to today's topic. Now, I have fallen prey to this, and I know so many of you have. What do we call it? GAS, Gear Acquisition Syndrome. We think if I get one more lens, or if I can get another body, that new one that just came out, man, my photography will get so much better. And of course, as someone who sold cameras for a living, I think the industry wants you to think that too, but you don't need to. I'm willing to bet that with whatever you have today, you can improve your skills significantly and also create the kind of dramatic and, 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 and scroll-stopping images that you want to create. So today I'm offering 10-ish ways for you to improve your photography skills with the gear you currently own. All right, let's get going. Number one, make important decisions earlier. Now, what do I mean by this? I've seen this often with photographers where we're out shooting together, whether it's on a photo walk or we're just out on just shooting at an event or a parade or something. And we all know we're going to this place and we get there. And once we get there, then the photographers look at their camera and decide what kind of settings do I need? Now, at that point, the action is happening in front of you and you're missing it because you're down there fiddling with your camera. And you don't need to wait until you get in front of what you're shooting to decide how to shoot it and to make those decisions with your camera. You can push that back. And I tell folks, you can make that decision on your way to the event. You can make it in the car. You can make them at home. And what am I talking about? You know what you're going to shoot. Let's say, for instance, we're all going to photograph a rodeo. We know that when the door swings open and the, the cowboy bounces across on, on the horse in front of us, we know what, we're, what, what we want to capture. You should have some idea of what kind of images you want to capture. And so you know this is going to be a fast action event. I'm going to need a fast shutter speed. You know he's going to be moving around, so I'm going to need a continuous uh, autofocus like a servo or an AFC continuous autofocus. I know that I'm going to want to have a, a, a continuous shooting on a continuous rate so I can get, you know, the maximum frames per second and follow the action as it goes along. I know all these things long before I get there so I can dial in all of these decisions earlier. So you don't want to wait until you finally get in the front row and the door swings open and the cowboy goes across to go, oh my God, what, what settings do I need? And start looking down at your camera because now magic can be happening in front of you and you'll miss it because you're, you're feeling of the camera. Every time you're looking at the camera, you can't, you're missing shots because all the great stuff happens when you're looking through the viewfinder 
at the action, that's when you have the best chance of capturing magic. So what I want you to do is, is when you know you're going to shoot something and you know what, you, what will be there, start thinking through what are the kinds of pictures I want to take how will I translate that to my camera in terms of what settings will I need to use? And, and then go ahead and dial them in earlier, like long before you get to the place where you're shooting. So make decisions earlier and that will help you also to be not just prepared, but to think through and get that muscle memory for, okay, here are the settings I need. And, oh my goodness, I might want to do something different and creative. And what will I do for that? So think through and make those decisions earlier. Okay, number two, keep looking with or without your camera. Keep looking with or without your camera. Now, here's the thing. In order to train your eye to see creatively and to see pictures, you've got to always be looking. ABL, right? Always be looking. <laughs> and, and when I say always be looking, we're not just casually looking around us. When you look out at a scene, you're thinking, where will I put the frame if I were to photograph that? Where is the light now falling on that? And what will that look like? Um, how would I shoot that? Where would I want to stand to shoot something like that? And what settings would I use to create the kind of effect that I think would look great there? You're thinking through all of those decisions. Even if you don't have a camera in your hand, you can think through those things as you just are walking to lunch and you are you know, looking around to see what you're passing by. You can see interesting things and see and pre-visualize and make decisions about those kinds of shots even without your camera. And of course, when you, when you do have a camera because you should always have one with you, right? You can actually take a second and practice that. If you have a, you know, a small camera in your pocket and we all do, and you see something interesting, you can practice how you will shoot with that small camera, just taking four or five minutes. And so what we're doing is practicing seeing all the time, whether or not you have a camera in your hand, you have the opportunity to try and think through how you would create. So that's number two, keep looking with or without your camera. Number three, choose better subjects. That's right, choose better subjects. You know, I, when I was walking through the show floor on uh, these photography conferences, whenever I'm walking through the show floor and I'm, I'm going and I see all these photographers in booths giving their presentations and showing you know, their images and talking about how they captured them, one thing I noticed is that they all had beautiful subjects. Whether it's people, whether it's places, whether it's things, whatever they're showing, it is, it's, it's never anything dull or boring. It's the, the most picturesque locations. It's models who are attractive. It is, you know, going and getting um, products, whether it's food or small products, they're getting things that look good. And so one of the keys there that you can take away is, you know, pick better subjects if you want better pictures. Because 
a photograph of something that is a, 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 a better looking subject and something that isn't will get you, you know, a more pleasing result, quite honestly. But but it, it, it's not just saying I'm only going to photograph pretty people or pretty things. That's not what I'm saying here. But I'm saying when you have the choice and you're looking out and you're thinking, I want to create something portfolio worthy, you've got to go where where the locations are, are, are better or more interesting. You have to wait till the light's more dramatic. You have to create your light that's dramatic. You have to pick better subjects. Now, picking better subjects also means you're picking things that you can you you can photograph because you have the kind of access to create what you'd like. And what I mean there is I remember doing a photo walk and we were saying you, know, you should pick a theme of something you you want to photograph and you know one of the photographers who had a a camera with a short lens an 18 to 55 decided that he wanted to photograph these things on the top of the roofs of these buildings far away now that's not a good subject for the gear you have and so you have all, picking better subjects also means think of the limitations of your gear and pick something that you can you know, reasonably photograph with what you have. If you have a short um, telephoto lens, 18 to 55, 24 to 70, that kind of thing, then you're going to want to pick a subject you can get relatively close to. You're going to want to pick a subject that you can have access to shoot from different angles. You're going to want to choose those kinds of, make those kinds of decisions because you want to pick better subjects, meaning subjects that you can actually access and shoot properly. So number three is choose better subjects. Now, number four, get even closer. Now, I'm sure you've all heard that, that saying that if, if you're pictures aren't good enough, you aren't close enough. And we, we understand that intellectually. And I've, I've known that, you know, sometimes we see something and go, okay, I'll get a little bit closer. But I have found that even when I thought I got closer, I could get closer still and get even uh, an even more dramatic image. And, and, you know, one of the things I do is, and I do for myself and when I'm working with other photographers, you know, I, I've, I've taken an image and I've, and I, and I shoot it and I think, okay, this looks cool. And on the back of the, the LCD screen, I would do like a, a pinch and zoom on the image I have. And I would take it in even tighter and move around the frame to see, is there an even more interesting framing I can get by getting in even tighter and even closer. Like even when I think I'm close, I pinch and zoom to get even tighter. And invariably when I do that, I see something even more interesting. And so now I know I can get even closer and get something better. So I'm looking at it as it is. I pinch and zoom and go, let me get a little tighter and see uh, if there's anything more interesting. And almost always there's another subset of what I thought was the place to stop that gave me something even more dramatic. So number four is get even closer. Now, number five is related to number four. It's keep subtracting, meaning you know that you have a great image when you know what that subject is and everything else in the frame either leads us to there or complements it in some way. And there is nothing else extra in that frame that would either distract us or serve no purpose. And so 
one of the things we need to do as we're shooting is similarly to get closer, also look and see if, if you can have fewer specific things in the frame. You want fewer specific things for the, the viewer to lock in on if it doesn't contribute to the, 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 the subject you're shooting and the story you're trying to tell. And so how do you do that? You look for maybe ways to get even closer. You change the angle you're shooting at. You look for maybe a different background. You do all these things to say, how can I subtract even more from what looks like an okay image to make it that much better? So we, we continue to subtract and sub to subtract until there's nothing left to subtract. And that's when we know we have gold because everything left in the frame serves a specific purpose. So number five is keep subtracting. Number six, shoot the action. Now, when there's something going on, when there's a doing going on, when, when, when you describe the action in front of your, fr your frame, you can use a verb because something is happening, then you wanna wait to shoot the action. The height of the action gives you the best storytelling, the height of the emotion gives you even more drama and impact. So I'm waiting to shoot the action when something is happening and there's a doing going on. Now, shooting the action means you are going to have to anticipate the action. You can't wait for the action to happen and press the shutter, you'll miss it every time. And so now you're thinking about, okay, what, what's gonna happen and where can I position myself best to shoot that action and anticipate. This is why it's always best to shoot subject matter that you know very well because it gives you a better chance to do that. If you are, if I love baseball and I wanna photograph baseball and I understand the sport, I know where to position myself and anticipate where the action will be. I see a player on second base looking like he's getting ready to try and, and, and steal. And I know that if so, I can position myself so that if he comes in and he slides in in a cloud of dust, I know that I'm in perfectly situated to get that image. And so, if you understand the subject matter, it gives you an even better opportunity to anticipate. This is why people who do wildlife photography and it, when they try to understand the animals and learn the animals' behaviors and their tendencies. Because if you understand the animals' behaviors and their tendencies, you can then anticipate what they're doing and set yourself up to shoot the action as it's happening. So. This is where you get, again, the, the most dramatic storytelling is when you look for the action and you shoot the action and you understand it well enough to put yourself in the place to anticipate it and to frame it and to shoot it and to shoot it um, in, in the way that is going to be most dramatic. Number seven, review later, shoot now. Review later, shoot now. You know that thing called chimping? You, I'm sure you're familiar with it. This is um, the thing that a lot of us do. And, you know, we shoot and we look back. We shoot and we look. We shoot and we look. We shoot and we look. And we we, we do that over and over again. You, you know, you, you miss a lot if if you are shooting something with, with continuing action if you do that. And not only continuing action, a lot of times when you're shooting, let's say, portraits, 
the in-between you might is when sometimes you get some of the most real and natural expressions that you can shoot. So as long as you're still looking through, you can see that and, and capture it. And so, you know, other than when you're first getting your shot set up, just checking just to make sure you've got the correct exposure and, and, and settings, once you've got that, Keep looking through the viewfinder and keep shooting as long as something is going on. Keep shooting, keep shooting, and and don't worry about chimping because really, you know, you, you'll, you'll, you the chances of you, you know, changing it that much between each one is is not that not that great. You're better off looking through the frame. And again, the chances of you getting great images happen when you're looking through the frame and, and pointing it at that subject and watching and now uh, being ready when magic happens in front of you and not looking at your camera while magic is unfolding in front of you. So uh, number seven is, is review later. Shoot now. Number eight is Number eight is find a point of view. Now, this is a good one because this works on two levels. Find a point of view means everyone walks up to the same thing and shoots it and shoots it from the same place, standing up, pointing the camera at it. You know, when I taught in Washington, D.C., one of the interesting statistics that I saw was that the Lincoln Memorial was the seventh most photographed place on the planet. Some researchers from Cornell University at the time had reviewed all the images and they made a list of the top 10 places. And the Lincoln Memorial, where I did some of my workshops, was the seventh most photographed place on the planet. And I'm willing to bet that 98% of those photographs all looked the same. Someone walked up to the front of it, wow, raised the camera at eye level, depress the shutter, boom, that's it. They walk away and they go, they go away. The 22 million people who shoot there every year with the same picture. But what you want to do is find a point of view, something different, like, okay, what can I see here? That's different. What can I say here? That's different about this. What is unique to me and my experience today that I can photograph and, and, and bring that experience to it? So the unique point of view means I'm not going to stand and at eye level point the camera at it and shoot between that five to six feet range that everybody sees and remembers. I'm going to get the camera out of it, maybe go low, go high, go left, go right, do something and find a different point of view. That's the one level, the different point of view. And then the second level is a different point of view in terms of what kind of story can I tell? What can I say here that would be different from what everyone else is saying? This is where you bring your own unique voice to the photograph. And this is how you get to create images that are different from everyone else that will stand out and, and people look at it and go, wow, that's different. I've never seen that before. And that's what you want because it's it's good to be creative, but it's even better to be different and creative because that's the thing that stands out and that people notice and will set your photography apart from everyone else. So that's number eight, find a point of view. Now, number nine, you know this is coming, shoot more photos. And of course, I don't mean just mashing the thing down and going brrrr, 
No, that's awful. I mean, you're looking and looking and looking. Remember we said in number two, you're always looking and you do that looking when you have a camera, you take a camera with you everywhere you go and you shoot. Now, here's the thing. When you shoot more photos, you can do it deliberately, you can do it strategically, and you can do it for fun. And I think all three of those levels are part of shooting more photos because shooting more photos gets you looking, it gets you thinking about composition, it gets you thinking about lighting. And so what you can do is pick different themes as you shoot more photos. Today, I'm gonna shoot some, every, something yellow. Um, today, I'm gonna shoot silhouettes. Today, I'm gonna shoot um, reflections. Or you can do it as a, as a long-term projects. I had a colleague who would always have like three specific themes that he always is doing some sort of a running project on. So um, as we were going out, Jeff Lineback would say, I'm shooting numbers today. And so whenever I see a number somewhere, I try and shoot it in a way that's creative. And if you were to see his feed, he has some really interesting ways of shooting numbers. He, he also does um does reflections as one of his um another one of my my friends and colleagues um art he does hands he looks for hands and you know i thought about that so when i was you know walking through some of the the monuments i started thinking about hands and and just looking and shooting hands gives you an opportunity to shoot something very creative that i had not considered but what they're doing is 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 with these themes you're picking out, you are now activating something to help you see and and shoot more pictures and shoot more, with with a little more deliberate um, with a, shoot more deliberately. And so this allows you now to 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 see and to shoot and to th be able to think how can I do this creatively and and it works. The other thing is something like a Project 365, and you're probably familiar with the concept where you're shooting and trying to post at least one picture every day in a public place. Or there's a Project 52 where you're saying, okay, I'll try and do it just once a week. This too can help you um, be more deliberate and strategic, and then you can then use those themes within your Project 365 or Project 52. Now, I am doing a version of that as a group photography challenge on our private platform. I call it Project Momentum, and it's it's just a group of photographers who are doing their own versions of Project 365, Project 52, or, or, or whatever the, the frequency that you can commit to, you are shooting and sharing in our private platform so that um, other photographers can see, can cheer you on, can hold you accountable, can give you feedback, all those things that help when you are trying to keep that kind of consistency going. So you can find that by going to momentum.shutterbuglife.com. It's free to join us and, uh, you know, declare what your frequency will be and start and start sharing. You know, it's it's a free private platform and it's another way to try and shoot more photos because I tell you what, the people who do that, their photography improves just dramatically by the end of the year. So 
um, it's it's worth a try. And and the thing is, if you miss a day here or there, we don't beat ourselves up. We just get back on the horse and we keep going and you keep shooting because that is the way to get there. I saw a, a phrase that said everything you want is on the other side of consistency. So consistency with shooting more photos will help you also improve your photography. Okay, number 10 is gonna sound like a contradiction because earlier I said, choose better subjects. But for number 10, I'm gonna say, take the crappy shot. Now, this one came from a photographer called Sam D'Amico, who I saw, um, he had a post several years ago. He's a photographer in the Washington DC area. And he talked about, when photographers see sometimes a situation like, oh, the light is crappy, we might pass on the shot and go, I'm not going to bother taking that shot because the light is crappy. The situation is less than ideal. Uh, and we move on. And, and, and what Sam said is, in a situation like that, you might stop and challenge yourself to go ahead and take the shot. And you would do that because you're thinking, how can I take this less than ideal situation and still create something that's that's good and and challenge yourself to sort of think through how you might overcome that situation? You know, more find, more times than not, when you are working as a professional photographer and you're shooting for hire, Clients will put you in situations that are less than ideal and expect you to produce great images. So it, it, it is still a good exercise to, to look at a less than ideal situation where you think it's a crappy shot and go ahead and try and work that shot to see if you can then create something that is interesting and something good that can come out of that. So go ahead and take the crappy shot, meaning the, the, the crappy situation, take that and use it as a challenge to try and see what can I create here from this and and you 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 will find that that can that in those situations there and when I have done that I've found also that in those situations I come away with something that was unexpected and I go wow that was kind of this is kind of cool. I didn't see that going in. I thought oh there's nothing here but forcing myself to to that keeps looking and keep looking and keep shooting and keep trying different things, different point of view, like we said earlier, sometimes yield me, yield something that I didn't see coming that I'm quite happy with. And so you don't get that if you don't force yourself to take the crappy shot, okay? So that's number 10, take the crappy shot. All right, here's the last one. It is your 10-ish, your plus one, your bonus round, whatever you want to call it. The last tip is master photo composition. That's right, master photo composition. Now, here's the thing. Composition is the one skill. It's the one skill that works no matter what camera you own and no matter what, what how, how long you've been shooting, you can start tomorrow and if you've got great composition you can make really great images and so being able to see and compose dramatically is is a skill that is essential if you want to be a great photographer and really shoot you know uh, dramatic and dramatic and and scroll stopping images 
And it's the one thing that no camera can do for you. You know, these new cameras just, they have amazing technology and they can do so many things and they can take so many decisions off your hands as a photographer. And you think, wow, this is, this is like crazy what these things can do. But one thing they can't do is to look out at a scene and see what should be the subject and where you should shoot it and how you should frame it. It can't do that for you. And being able to do that will make the difference from, from you and the person standing next to you trying to photograph the same thing. So master photo composition. As a matter of fact, it's so important that I am going to uh, release, a, I'm going to be releasing a, a, a course on mastering composition and creativity. Depending when you see this, it might be already out there and uh, you'll see a link to how you can find it or get on the wait list below. But I want you to think about photo composition as the one essential skill that will make the most dramatic difference in your photography. All right, so there you have it. These are are tips and or skills that you can, things you can do to improve your photography skills with the gear you already own. Let's review them real quickly. One, make important decisions earlier. Two, keep looking with or without your camera. Three, choose better subjects. Four, get even closer. Five, keep subtracting. Six, shoot the action. Seven, review later, shoot now. Eight, find a point of view. Nine, shoot more photos. 10, take the crappy shots. And the plus one, master photo composition. If you do these things with the gear you already own, I'm ready to guarantee, as we say in Louisiana, that you will improve your photography skills, all right? Now, even though we've just talked about what you can do with the gear you already own, if you are looking for a new lens, I've got the perfect resource for you. It is a free ebook I've created called The, the Ultimate Guide to Camera Lenses. The ultimate guide to camera lenses and it's 55 pages of 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 descriptions of how we talk about lenses what are the features you would look for in each lens and what it looks like how you would how these lenses are different in terms of the way they see and and then and then more importantly what you would look for in your next lens and depending on where you are which lens you should be considering next. It is at lenses.shutterbuglife.com, lenses.shutterbuglife.com. It's a free resource and it will be very helpful for you, especially if you're shooting with the, the lens that came with your camera, or if you are still thinking it's time for me to, to um, push to the next lens because I've reached the limits of what I can do with this one for the kind of photography I wanna create, you want to get this lenses.shutterbuglife.com for the ultimate guide to camera lenses. Go get it now. All right. Well, thank you for spending another Thursday with me. And I hope you learned something from the 10-ish ways that you can improve your photography skills with the gear you already own. If you are using any of these and they work for you, let me know in the comments which one you've used and how it's helped you. And of course, meet me back again next Thursday when we go through another photography tip. 
All right. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend and go out there and create something amazing with your camera. Take care.